Welcome to Episode 9 of Achieving Fitness, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we are on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering the best rep range for hypertrophy, the best exercises for abs, and our top certification recommendations for new personal trainers. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, so I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, so if I start to cough randomly in the middle of the podcast, please, I apologize in advance. I feel like you're always either allergic or... <laughs> yeah, allergic or sick or <laughs> never optimal. But the show must go on. show must go on. Um, so the first question is actually, well, it was actually a live question. Um, I recently met this person. Um, he is the roommate of one of my college friends, and he's actually an achiever. He was like, hey, dude, I know you. I'm an online achiever. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, so this question was from Michael, and he was like, he, he said, what is the deal with hypertrophy? And it seems good. How do I get it? <laughs> so first of all, hypertrophy is basically just muscle growth. It's a fancy word for muscular growth. And the first thing that I asked him was what his actual goal was. And I was like, do you want to get stronger? Do you want to build more muscle? Do you want just, are you just looking for general fitness? And he said to me that all he's looking to do is to look like he is strong, <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> actual strength. <laughs> so basically, he was looking to build muscle and stay lean. And so I was asking him what his current repetition range was for his workouts. And he said that he's been doing three sets of 10 for however long he's been lifting for five, six, seven, and even longer than that. And he's been kind of stuck with the same routine um, for that long. And so what the research says is that 8 to 12 repetitions or so is the best muscle building zone for hypertrophy. And the, and people have kind of misconstrued that information to thinking that they should solely stick with that zone. So 8 to 12 repetitions. And that's why you see a lot of um, popular plans say things like 3 by 8 or 3 by 10 or 3 by 12 is a good zone to build muscle. The problem with that is... If you stay in that zone for too long, you eventually tap out all your potential gains in that zone. And what you need to think about doing is dropping those repetitions down a little bit and maybe explore the four to six or the one to three repetition range. Once you explore those ranges, you're able to access a little bit more strength because you're not um, doing so many repetitions. So let's say you do, let's say for Michael's, um, Michael's case, he was doing 135, three sets of 10 on the bench press. And he's been doing that for a little while, and maybe he's kind of tapped out at that point. Now, if he just continues to do 135 for three sets of 10, he's not doing enough to stimulate any sort of adaptation in his body. Like, you need to put in a lot of work for your body to actually grow muscle and kind of get out of its own state of homeostasis um, in order to build muscle. So what I would recommend for someone like him is to drop the reps down and maybe use some heavier weights. So maybe do 145 or 155 for sets of six or so. And he asked me how many sets he should do. And generally speaking, your total repetitions for a particular lift should be in the 24 to 30 repetition range. And that's why you always see things like four by six or five by five or three by 10. All these repetitions kind of enter that sort of zone. And that seems to be kind of a sweet spot for strength and hypertrophy. So even though four to six or one to three is a little bit less, creates less of a hy hypertrophic <laughs> effect. <laughs> I feel like that could be a word. 
you can carry over the strength in those lower rep ranges into that hypertrophic hypertrophic (laughs) range. So you can kind of cycle those two rep ranges back and forth or three rep ranges back and forth and they'll all feed into each other. So even though the science says eight to 12 is the best rep range for muscle growth, you do want to explore other zones to make sure that you create a more of a well-rounded effect and prevent plateauing in the future. Cool. Cool. And I, th- I think what's really funny to me sometimes always stands out is that the a lot of the time, the questions that we get from men are like, how do I put on muscle? And then women are like, how do I prevent getting too bulky, right? And yeah. it's always funny because it's like women think that if they're going to train like the guys, if they're going to lift weights, they're going to get bulky. But meanwhile, the guys are like, why can't I get put on any muscle? Because <laughs> it's really, really hard. And just yeah. lifting some weights isn't going to do it. It's actually going to – lifting weights is going to help you sort of start to shape your body and you're going to feel like you get more of that like – you know, triangular shape and you're going to, your, your shape is going to change, but you're not going to all of a sudden like bust out of your clothes with these massive muscles. It just isn't, it's yeah, not going to work a that long way. Time. Um, so I always find that kind of interesting. All right. So let's move on to our next question. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, we actually combined two questions into one because we, they kind of were covering the same topic. So one, they're both on Instagram. One was from um, f.roshan.a. And they said, would you please talk about ab ex- or exercises to have flat abs? And the other one was from A Snow 11 And they said, I'm curious if you can talk about your take on cable crunch, air bicycles, chair leg raise, and hanging leg, leg raise. Do you feel those three ab workouts contribute to strengthening your core and building ab muscles? So both questions are sort of about the best types of exercises for your abs, right? Mm-hmm. So I think what we'll actually, let's go into the second half of that question first and talk about the um, types of exercises that she brought up. So cable crunch, air bicycles, chair leg raise, and hanging leg raise. Um, And these are all exercises that are promoting flexion and rotation um, through your spine, right? Mm -hmm. So you're crunching, doing that kind of crunching motion, whether it's laying on your back or, or hanging from a bar or doing it like with your elbows on a, on a dip machine, anything like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you look at sort of ideally what you should be thinking about in terms of core training is how to prevent motion. Um, so when we look at core training, we're looking at how to anti-extend, how to anti-flex, how to anti-laterally laterally flex, as well as anti-rotation. We want to be able to prevent motion first before actually creating motion. So anytime we work with anyone new, we're always working on things like dead bugs or planking and side planking variations or carrying variations where you hold a kettlebell on one side and you try to prevent lateral flexion as you walk or anti-rotation variations like a pal-off press where you're standing next to a cable machine, you press the cable handle out and you try to resist the cable handle from pulling you back towards the cable machine. So these are all variations that we like to use at first because we're thinking of training from more of a functional perspective. After someone gets better um, adequacy in their core from a functional perspective, then we might go a little bit more targeted in terms of uh, more of an aesthetic look with direct ab training. Yeah, so so we start out with exercises that are pretty much keeping your spine 
in alignment. Pretty mm-hmm. much you're you're not moving through your spine or your back and you're actually right. stabilizing your spine, keeping it straight while you're maybe moving your arms or moving your legs or being pulled in one direction or the other and your job is to, or your core's job is to stabilize and support your spine. And this is, I mean, it's for back health, it's for like a lot of things outside of just aesthetics, Yeah, right? even just like athletic reasons, like, or just life reasons, you, your, your core's main job is to basically stay still while your your extremities are moving. Um, think about any sort of sport or any activity like running, walking, hiking, whatever it might be, your core stays relatively neutral and sort of transmits force from the lower body to the upper body or vice versa. Right. So we, we make sure that people are really, really good at those kinds of exercises. So like Jason was saying, like planks and side planks, all of that stuff. Um, but then once they are, then we can explore other ways to target the abs that might target, you know, a slightly different area. We might target the obliques with something like what she mentioned, like an a air bicycle. Like I think she's talking about mm-hmm. where you're laying on your back, bringing your elbows to your knee, opposite yeah. knee, right? Um, or a hanging leg raise where you're tucking your knees in toward your chest and really working your... your uh, at working your abs. <laughs> um, but those things are always secondary to the stabilization exercises that we do first. So, and then that kind of leads me into the next thing, I guess. So while we may introduce things like leg raises or crunches or not really regular crunches, cause we don't really think that there's much benefit yeah. there. Um, but even like a, um, will do like a hollow hold mm-hmm. where your spine is flexed, but you're kind of really, really engaging your core. Um, I guess even our direct ab training, quote unquote, is, yeah, consists of hollow holds, hanging leg raises. Rollouts. V-ups. But these are all things that are basically meant to strengthen you for other exercises, right? right. Like hollow holds promote better strength for your pull-ups. Um, leg raises are good for other sorts of gymnastic skills. Yeah. Um, so... They always serve a purpose beyond just pure aesthetics. And the reason is because, and to answer the first part of the question, which was, can you please talk about exercises to have flat abs, is that it doesn't matter how much you target a specific area of your body, you can't eliminate fat from that area of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, That might sound harsh, but what I'm trying to say is that you can't flatten your stomach or change the way your stomach appears strictly with ab exercises. What you can do is strengthen the muscles that are there. um, And if you get super, super, super lean, those muscles will show, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to show if you have a layer of fat over them, which means that really it's diet and nutrition that are the only ways to get flat abs, quote unquote Mm -hmm. flat abs. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would probably say kind of break it down like this. 80% of your ab endeavors are going to come from nutrition, Mm -hmm. 20% from exercise and of that 20%, 80% should be compound exercises um, right. that really target um, muscle and strength throughout your entire body. And then 20% of that should be direct ab work. So it should be very low on the totem pole. It definitely serves a purpose as you know, you've seen, you've seen bodybuilders attest to, but it's much lower on the totem pole than one might think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so the, there's this idea of like spot reduction and there's you'll see this in magazines all the time and it drives drives this crazy that it's still <laughs> out there but that you know you'll see an article that'll say like um, burn fat in your thighs with these five exercises or like lose fat in your belly in your tummy with these three ab exercises and yeah. it's just not a reality so when you lose fat it's a systemic thing you lose fat all throughout your body as one system your body mm-hmm. is one unit and it loses fat 
at, at the same rate in your shoulder as it does in your thigh. So no. everything is going to shrink down together. Um, so there is no exercise that can determine where you're going to lose fat from the most. The only thing that exercise can do is determine where you're going to build muscle. So when you do, if you do lose that fat, muscle will show in the areas that you work. Right. So third question, last one of the day, is from someone on Instagram named Peter H. Watts. And he said, what would you say are the top three certifications a new personal trainer should pursue in order to best serve his clients? I love that he said the top three certifications because a lot of people will ask us, what's the best certification? (laughs) Meaning, is it ACE? Is it ACSM, NASM, um, NSCA? What's the best entry-level, essentially, certification? And these these entry-level certifications are just that. They don't actually... um, They give you just the base amount of knowledge required to work with someone. But in order to... to hopefully, like, not hurt someone. Yeah. It's basically, like... They basically... (laughs) They cover your butt for insurance purposes. Yeah, exactly. But they don't really give you a ton of practical information. Right. So in order to get better at your craft, you have to start seeking out more specialized certifications. And there's a few on our, there's four on our list, right? Yeah, we could, we really couldn't narrow it down to three. <laughs> we were like, we tried. And I mean, we've, we probably have, I don't know, 15 under our belts. Like we, yeah. we love certifications. We love going to seminars and just kind of getting as much information as possible. But the four that we narrowed it down to were Strong First, FMS, um, Precision Nutrition, and the CFSC, Certified Functional Strength Coach. Yes. <laughs> it's Mike Boyle's uh, certification. So should we just kind of go through them really quickly? Yeah, let's start Strong First. So Strong First we actually covered pretty extensively, I think, two episodes back. Mm-hmm. Um, but Strong First is a school of strength where they have three different types of certifications. They have a kettlebell certification, a barbell certification, and a bodyweight certification. Um, they're probably best known for the kettlebell certification because that's where they started. Um, but all three are really, really great. And like they're going to apply what, whichever one you take, you're going to be able to take information from that certification and apply it to whoever you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, especially the kettlebell certification. I mean, the first three or four months someone comes to work with us, it's almost primarily body weight and kettlebells. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's, there's a certain level of attention to detail and mindfulness that kettlebells require. And there's something about when we have people take our kettlebell classes specifically, something about them, I think they just build a lot of volume with lower loads initially because it's tough to jump up a bell size, but it's easy to load five more pounds on the bar or 10 more pounds on the bar. Kettlebell sizes are ranging from two to four kilo jumps. So it's you have to really own your strength at a certain um, exercise before you jump to the next one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we would say if you're going to choose an order, probably start with the SFG, that's mm-hmm. the kettlebell certification, and then follow it up with either the barbell or body weight or level two SFG as well. Yeah. Um, so that would be number one. What did I say? Number two, FMS. Mm-hmm. So we definitely think no matter whether it's FMS or something else, but we, we definitely kind of lean toward FMS. Um, you need to have some form of assessment Uh, process when you're working with clients. So especially as a new trainer, it's going to make you stand out too, as somebody who cares about the people that you're working with. Like you show interest in where they're at now, as opposed to just giving them these random workouts, you actually take the time to assess how they're moving, you know, what, what limitations or, or asymmetries they may have. Um, and the FMS has a very, very systemized way of doing this and a very clear, 
um, format for after you take this assessment, where you should can kind of uh, how it kind of helps you guide your training and guide your programming. It's usually I think it might level one maybe all online now. I think it is all online at this point. Yeah. yeah. So you can. So it's very easy to access. You can mm-hmm. just get purchase it online. I think it's videos. Um, it's Gray Cook and Lee Burton are the people who the two physical therapists who put it together. Um, yeah, and just highly, highly recommend it. Not just from the perspective of having an assessment process, but also just the idea of how to break the body into like movement patterns as opposed to muscles. So a lot of trainers will think about their exercise. Um, choices as like something for the biceps, something for the quads, something for the hamstrings. And instead this helps you to break down into more of like something for a hinging pattern, something for a squatting pattern. Um, and it just kind of guides your programming in a really um, smart direction. Yeah. It was definitely one of the first, our formal introduction to, I guess, movement training as opposed to body part split training. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, Grand Lee put together just an incredible, not only just the screen itself, but just the movement education behind it was definitely um, the top of its class. So um, we, we highly recommend it just from a holistic standpoint, as well as getting access to the screen itself. Yeah. Number three, we said was precision nutrition. So may not be your initial thought when you're talking about working with um, clients as a personal trainer, but nutrition, like we just kind of talked about before, is actually usually 80% of the of what people's goals are. Mm-hmm. So most people are going to come to you if you're working with general population, they're looking to lose fat and be a little bit leaner and nutrition is going to be a huge part of that. And precision nutrition is by far just, they're just like worlds above any other nutrition certifying body that we've, that we've come across. Um, John Berardi is the owner or CEO or inventor, founder, I don't know, yeah. founder, I don't know <laughs> what you call him, a uh, genius, but <laughs> he is just a fantastic guy who puts so much, so much work into uh, making sure that you know how to communicate with people about nutrition. So it's not just they have all the science, like you can find all the science that you want about nutrition through the certification, but a lot of it, I would say like 50% of the book um, is about communication styles and how to determine where your client is at and how to meet them where they're at and which, you know, how to progress their nutrition training. Um, It's just fantastic. Yeah, I was about to say exactly the same thing. It's it's less about uh, giving someone exactly what they should be eating, like a meal plan or like very sciencey stuff in terms of um, all these like breakdowns. It's all about how to communicate with your client or member. And it's all about just meeting people where they're at, like Lauren just said, and try to get get them to formulate these habits, um, utilizing very small approachable steps where they can start to finally build confidence in themselves and then get into more of the nitty gritty stuff. But a lot of the psychology is so, so key, um, especially when working with nutrition people. Yeah. And this is one, so the certification for precision nutrition, you can, basically you decide that you want to get certified and you get sent a textbook, like a huge textbook and Mm -hmm. then access to all of their online materials. And you can take as long as you want to finish it. Um, So, I mean, there may be a deadline, I'm not sure, but um, you basically spend most of your time just studying on your own and they, they lay out like how you should go about doing it. Um, but it's a really self kind of led, um, thing. (laughs) So you get to, you get to do it on your own time. Basically you don't have to spend a weekend away from work. If you're worried about like going away and losing money from, from clients, everything like that, you get to do this on your own time. So, so really, really great one. And then the last one we said was the CFSC. So that's the certified functional strength coach through, uh, Mike Boyle 
and we personally actually haven't taken this. So no. it's funny that we've recommended it, but we it didn't exist when we were new into the fitness industry. Um, it's only probably a year or two old. Yeah, I think a couple years old, yeah. Um, but we did do a, a mentorship at Mike Boyle's, and we have taken so much. Like, he was such a huge influence on us mm-hmm. early on in our careers. And I know that all of the coaches that are working with the CFSC are fantastic people. It's like Kevin Carr and... Uh, ben Rerick, ben Rerick, Marco, Kevin Larby. It's a great group of, of guys. Yeah. So the the issue with just a normal textbook for um, like a just entry level uh, personal training um, certification is that they're all just looking at people just kind of like sitting down and extending their leg and working their quads or people sitting on a machine and doing bicep curls. And I think. CFSE takes it to another level in terms of actually building in how to coach, how to communicate communicate with people in order to um, elicit whatever form and whatever uh, result that you want out of it. Um, but the textbooks are just about sitting on a machine and telling them how to flex your bicep or how to extend their leg. Or like which muscle does it? And it's like yeah. that's not really what it's about. Yeah, you need to be able to put people in the right positions using either... Uh, audible, visual, uh, kinesthetic, or environmental cueing, and uh, CFSC definitely um, teaches people how to actually work with other people. Yeah, um, there also is a like it's it's very hands on, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the like the strong first certification as well. Like there's a component of you actually having to be able to like coach and and perform certain things, and so it it's a little bit more like hands-on kind of down and dirty like in it Uh, rather than just sitting down and answering multiple choice questions and then saying that you're a coach so um, so those would be our four sorry we couldn't keep to three it was just a bonus (laughs) you're welcome for adding one um yeah there are so many others but those would be if you're just starting out like any of starting with any of those four would be an excellent choice yeah absolutely Cool. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. Yeah, we got a bunch of reviews after our last um, podcast, so please keep them up. We really appreciate it. It would help us out tremendously. So nice. And yeah, lastly, please send us any more questions that you have uh, at podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com or DM us directly on Instagram at AchieveFitnessBoston. Um, and that's about it. So until next time, peace, love, and muscles. muscles. Ha, 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 ha.